Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Hey there, hello. Welcome back to The Burt Not Ernie Show. This is episode 11. And today we are taking a look at Psalm 33, two verses from that Psalm, 16 and 18. We are going to skip verse 17, and I'm just going to hit the ground running here, and we're going we're gonna to read it from the NIV. So here's what it says, Psalm 33, 16 and 18. No king is saved by the size of his army, and no warrior escapes by his great strength. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love. So... First of all, what do I notice here? Um, there's one really, really big kind of a key element that I notice here, and I'm going to emphasize it because I want you to totally get this for the, the weight, the bearing, the value that it has for you. What's true for the prince is true for the pauper when it comes to biblical truths. God is absolutely no respecter of persons. If it's true for the big guy, it's true for the little guy when it comes to the kingdom of God. He's not a respecter of persons, and that's that's straight from the Word of God. If you look at, let's see, Acts 10.34 and Romans 2.11, both of those verses, I'm going to, of course, put them in the show notes along with the NIV reference to Psalm 33, 16, and 18, but those two verses from Acts and Romans, will um, they'll prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is um, there's no status symbol type of stuff in God's kingdom. So Romans 2.11, the NIV says this, for God does not show favoritism. Yeah, hello. That's about as clear as it can get. There is not any room in there to say, well, that's not really what that means. Yeah, that's what it means. God does not show favoritism. And Acts 10.34, let's do King James Version on that one. You're kind of going to get all of the versions today. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. So there you have it, folks. God does not show partiality. You cannot do anything to be more esteemed by the Lord, and you cannot do anything to be less esteemed by the Lord. This is just who he is. What is true for the prince is true for the pauper when it comes to biblical truth. So this is foundational. And when I say foundational, I mean like we build on this. We build on this. So say you're doing some work um, in your home, right? And you need to fix a stabilizing wall. All the way down in the foundation, if you dig out the footings, what that means is it's the thing that the primary upholding portions of the physical structure rest on the footing. So the footing needs to be about twice the size, square footage wise, of whatever is resting on it. And it needs to be super deep. The deeper the foundational footings, the steadier the structure is going to be. And the higher the structure, 
like a skyscraper, their footings are enormously deep, whereas a house, they're not that deep. So this is foundational. You're not better than anybody else. And I know you know that. And that's kind of the least important part of the podcast today. That is not the main emphasis that the Lord has. So it's good to know you're not better than anybody else. But most of us know that. We already know that. But here's the thing that I think the Lord wants emphasized. You are for sure not less than any other person on this planet. You're just not. You're not less than anybody. I'm going to say that one more time. Even if you feel like you're a pauper in the kingdom of God, you are not less than anybody else. That's not how God sees you. God will not respect one person over another. He just he just won't do it. He won't do it. So I'm going to say it one more time regarding Psalm 33, 16, and 18. What is true for the prince is true for the pauper in God's kingdom. If a mighty man, if a mighty leader or a ruler cannot be rescued, cannot be saved or spared by the size, the strength, the might, the power, the expertise of his army, then guess what? It's also absolutely true for us. So it's, it's of course, absolutely true. We can't save ourselves. We know that. We know that. That is all Jesus, 100%. You cannot add to his salvation. You cannot take away his salvation. It is all Jesus all day long. That's the only reason anybody is saved. The only reason we get in the kingdom is because Jesus paid the price in full. He did it all. So we need the Lord to be what he already is for us. He's our rescuer and our redeemer when it comes to our salvation. And he's also that in the day-to-day circumstances of our lives. And he's, he's perfect in those roles of rescuer and redeemer. He's totally perfect at them. So another aspect of this verse, though, that is also 100% completely true has to do with any enemy that ever might come against you. So I'm not saying that this verse guarantees you a perfectly um, easy life with no hardships or struggles, because that just wouldn't be true. Isaiah 54, 17 tells us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. It, it doesn't say that the weapons won't form. It doesn't say the weapons won't form against us, but it does promise that those weapons will not prosper. The Amplified puts it this way, no weapon formed against you will succeed. That's tremendous. No weapon formed against you will succeed. We are promised peace and security and triumph over opposition by that verse from Isaiah 54. Um, I'm going to read it to you from the New King James Version, and I will put that in the show notes also. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Wow, that's quite a verse. That's amazing. So it's not its not saying, like I already mentioned, it's not saying that nothing and nobody is ever going to come against you. That's not true. That's not reality when you live in a fallen world. However, and this is a really big however, like all caps, however, there will not be ultimate success. And how great is that to know? Any enemy coming against you is not going to prosper. They will not succeed in their enterprise. They will not flourish in this thing. They won't thrive. They won't proliferate. They won't regenerate. They will not, will not, will not be able to say, I've arrived. I did what I meant to do against that child of God. It's not going to happen. They aren't going to hit it big. They're not going to make good on their scheme or their attack against you. It don't matter how mighty they appear to be. 
It don't matter how much cash flow they got. It doesn't matter. They might be super strong, but your God is way super stronger. They're like grasshoppers in his eyes. Anybody that ever comes against you is to him the equivalent of a grasshopper. They're minuscule. They don't threaten him in the least. He's got you. He's got you. So there are going to be attacks that come against you. There's, there's no maybe about it. There are going to be things that come against you in this life, possibly today, probably this week sometime. But your enemy's power, your enemy's prowess, it means like nothing. Zilch, zero, nothing, not a zip. Because God always, always, always has the upper hand. Always, every time. So back to the verse, it tells us that no warrior, no warrior is is saved by his own strength, his own might. So no beefy monster of a dude gets out of a tight spot in the heat of the battle because of his beef or his buff or his brawn. So don't begrudge your own weak areas. Listen, it doesn't matter how big that guy is coming up against you. Uh, God's got this, but it also doesn't matter how much of a, a slick dude you are, how much you've got it together in some particular area. It absolutely doesn't matter. And here's why. You don't get out of a tight spot because of your brawn. Your beefiness, it, it equates to nothing in the kingdom of God. It's really, really true. Don't begrudge your weak areas. Now, I want you to think about this. We have real, legitimate, actual weak spots, and we have spots that are simply perceived to be weak. Neither one of those should be something that we begrudge, that we kind of loathe, that we look at with disdain. Just let that go and be content with knowing your God is bigger than your biggest weakness or your most enormous failure. I kind of want to drop a truth bomb right now, and it's, it's in the form of a question, and here it is. Do you fear the Lord? Well, I don't think you can answer that if you don't know what I mean when I say fear of the Lord. And I don't mean what I mean. I mean what the Word of God defines fear of the Lord as. It's definitely not about fear as we so immediately tend to think of fear. God tells us over and over and over again in his word not to be afraid. And I'm going to reference these in the show notes, a Daniel th- or sorry, Deuteronomy 31:8, not Daniel, Romans 8:28, Isaiah 43:1 and 1 John 4:18 are a few verses that remind us not to fear, right? So, how do we reconcile this then? God says, "Do not fear." And then God tells us in his word that we need to have a fear of the Lord. Well, they're not the same kind of fear. Um, Fear will govern your life. It will make decisions for you. It will push you into a corner. It will tie you up in knots and uh, chain you in a prison cell. That's not what fear of the Lord is. Fear of the Lord carries with it a sense of awe, magnifying God for who he is, revering him, respecting him being submissive to him as sovereign Lord over everything, over all of it. I'm going to give you a couple of verses from Proverbs that talk about the fear of the Lord, and they both kind of say basically the same thing. So I'm just going to read them. They're both from the Amplified. Proverbs 9.10 says, The reverent fear of the Lord, that is worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome, is the beginning and the preeminent part of wisdom, 
its starting point and its essence. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding and spiritual insight. That was Proverbs 9.10. Now I'm going to read Proverbs 1.7. The reverent fear of the Lord, that is worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome, is the beginning and the preeminent part of knowledge, its starting point and its essence. But arrogant fools despise skillful and godly wisdom and instruction and self-discipline. Those two verses have brought me so much clarity on what it means to fear the Lord and also on what it does not mean to fear the Lord. God comes to us from a place of such great love. We, it's really impossible for us to grasp the kind of love that he has for us. But we have, to, we have to at least think about trying to get down to the bottom of the depths of how much God loves us in order to really look at the fear of the Lord as a way to honor him, to revere him, to esteem him and glorify him. It, it takes our typical definition of the word fear and it just turns it on its head, basically. So now I'm going to ask you that question again. Do you fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? Can you say that you're living a life where you are worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome? You're revering him. You are not despising skillful and godly wisdom and instruction, but are receiving it. Do you view him as truly awesome? Um, Do you esteem him and glorify him in your day-to-day life? And another question that kind of goes hand in glove with that would be, Does that sound like a good description of your walk with Jesus? So, I mean, they're the same question, but they're not the same question. Do you fear the Lord? You can say yes to that. Yep, all of those things are absolutely true, that he needs to be glorified and honored and and held in awe and magnified for who he alone is. Uh, He needs to be treated as sovereign overall because that's who he is. But do you live that way? Is it a good and fitting description of the way that you walk with Jesus on a daily basis? I don't just mean at your Wednesday night Bible study or your Sunday morning, um, you know, worship time, walk with Jesus, but every day at work, at home, um, when nobody else is around, you know what I'm talking about? Like, do you fear the Lord? And does the description and understanding of what fear of the Lord really means accurately and adequately describe your life? Listen, there's, there's a really amazing promised blessing that comes with this verse. So we have to understand a fear of the Lord so that we can live it, do it, and receive the blessing that comes from obedience. So when we live fearing the Lord on a daily basis, on the regular, when we revere him and worship him, which by the way, worshiping him includes being obedient to him, not bucking his authority and not questioning him. When we fear the Lord, we regard him as truly awesome, then he, uh, he should leave us standing in awe, and he will do that. If we, if we esteem him, we will be in awe of him. The two go hand in glove. This is the baseline for the blessing of Psalm 33, verses 16 and 18. We got to start there. We can't get the cart before the horse and expect the blessing if we're not willing to live with a healthy fear of the Lord. And anything God tells us to do in his word is always ultimately for our own good. So we want to be fair in the Lord because that's in our best interest as well as about glorifying him. So fear the Lord and then just get yourself all set up and prepared to receive the blessing. Here it is. Here it is. I just kind of want to say y'all ain't ready for this. I really, you see, ain't ready, ain't ready, ain't ready. 
Here's the promise. The Lord's eyes are on you. The Lord's eyes are on you. I I told you you weren't ready. I told you you weren't ready. Okay, don't blow past this too quickly. Don't roll your eyes and don't click the little speed up button to play this at one and a half times speed on, on the podcast player. Listen to me. Listen, this is not like reading this so that you can check the box and you read your four chapters for the day and you don't really think about it, pray about it, let it get deep down into your inner man. That's not what I'm talking about here. This isn't a check the box, okay? This is serious and this is for you. This is your promise. If you miss it, it's only because you chose to miss it because it's not because I'm not emphasizing it enough and it's not because God doesn't want you to get it. Seriously, take a second here. Let yourself really grab a hold of this promise and it will amaze you. I'm going to say it one more time. The Lord's eyes are on Y-O-U. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Think about that. That's like, think of the minions and the spickle me. What? We should be like shocked, really. It's amazing to think about. I'm going to give you an example. Um, imagine that you're at Buckingham Palace. So now listen, my daughter has uh, been on a the first leg of her flight to London for about 45 minutes. So of course, I have London on my mind, right? So think you're at Buckingham Palace and the queen is there. She's in the same room with you and she has her eyes fixed on you, just on you. You're the sole focal point of her resting gaze. She's looking directly at you with the highest favor and she never takes her eyes off of you. She's not looking at anybody else in the room, just at you and it's with positiveness. It's with affection. It's with favor. It's with grace. It's with, um, you could have anything that you wanted to ask of her kind of favor. Does that make, so you get this image in your mind of the queen at Buckingham Palace. Every movement is noticed and noted. There's nobody who's going to be able to get at you because she's going to see it. They're not going to be able to get away with it. It's going to be stopped before it even really gets started. This is just giving you, think of an, uh, just setting the tone for what this verse is really promising you. You're under the total protection of her palace guards, as in the royal guard. Like, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Do you think that the soldiers who guard the queen and the crown jewels, which that's not just like a crown, the crown jewels are a big deal. Do you think those are just the you know, anybody can have that job. No, it doesn't work that way. And this is the Royal Guard. Think of how long the United States of America has been a country and stick a zero on the end of that. Think of how many years have we been around? Put a zero on the end of it. Yeah, over 2000 years, England has been a country to be in the Royal Guard is a big deal. And you would be under their protection if this scenario were actually happening. This is a tiny, itty-bitty example of what it means to have God's eyes on you. And they are indeed fixed on you right now. That's what this promise in this verse says. This is like, this is big time. Capital B, capital T, big time. I'm certain that God wants you living with the unwavering assurance that his eyes are on you all the time. He wants you to know that today. Are you willing? Are you willing today to hope again in his unfailing love? I hope you are. And if so, just know that his eyes are on you. That's a tremendous promise. Now, I know sometimes it's really hard to keep hoping. Trust me, I I get it. I get it. Life is hard and the stuff of life is real. I get it. Sometimes we just have to 
even though things are so hard, sometimes we just have to make the decision. We just have to make the decision to simply believe again, to hope against hope, just to shut out all the things that try to work against our hope, because there are things working against your hope all the time. They're trying to negate our hope. Shut those things out, please. I'm almost like begging you, please don't live a hopeless life. Please do not live a hopeless life. Believe again, hope again, and then gain the tremendous blessing that this verse grants to you today. Okay, um, it's about 20 minutes, and I'm going to call that a wrap for today's podcast, but I did want to just mention something else real quick here. Um, first, I want to thank you for listening and for leaving reviews. Um, the stars on uh, iTunes or whatever it is, Apple, Apple Podcasts, those are great, but I guess Apple does some kind of a thing where like, if you get a written review during your new stretch as a podcast, the number of written reviews you get determines where Apple will put your podcast after you're done being a new podcast. So um, if you would, if you feel like it, I would sure love to have a written review just to kind of see what that does for the, where they place me when my new and noteworthy time is done. So, and thank you for that. I do appreciate your reviews and your listens. They mean a lot. Um, and I also want to mention that um, it is 2020, and so as I have done many times in the past, I am a conference speaker at a New Year conference. It is the New Year New Beginnings 2020 conference for moms. It's entirely online, and I've got three sessions that I'm speaking at. Um, it's primarily a conference for moms, for women. It talks about things like marriage, parenting, meal planning, goals, organization. Of course, there's health and wellness in there and fitness, um, money, and then also faith, a spiritual element to the to the conference too. So your spiritual growth and development. I have two sessions in the goals category. One is on uh, clearing your line of sight to have 2020 vision because we need to see where God wants us to go and we need to keep our eyes fixed on that. I can't be looking over to the left and still walking straight ahead. I'm going to stumble around. So clearing your line of sight. And then um, my other goals one is just about how to accomplish your goals by making them kind of like bite-sized, I guess, so which I'm pretty good at because I've homeschooled five kids, um, and the hardest stretch of that was when my husband was deployed to the other side of the world. It's hard to get, um, it's hard not to feel overwhelmed when you're looking at all of the things that you have to handle during that time on your own uh, with all this extra added stress. And so I got pretty good at figuring out how to take the goals and making them achievable by kind of bite-sizing them. But the really uh, big session for me was the one in the spiritual growth category. And I just have to say, and I'm going to share this really quickly here so you can uh, get off this podcast, but I have to say, I have not had one single time since the Lord saved me in my early 20s, not once have I ever not done what God wanted me to do. When he asked me to do something, I do it. That doesn't mean I don't sometimes complain because I do, and that doesn't mean sometimes I don't uh, do it slowly or uh, not as well as I should, but I always do it. I always do it. And hard things don't exactly scare me. Disobeying the Lord, though, that scares me. That scares me. But when I was working on this conference session, I faced more pushback and more resistance and even just more outright, blatant enemy spiritual attack than I have ever dealt with in my whole life as a Christian. And it was a lot. It, it was enough that at one point I just said to the Lord, I don't want to do this. God, I don't want to do this. Jesus, I don't want to do this. What even is this? What is going on? This is so hard. It was like, 
but it's almost impossible for me to get that that session written and recorded and submitted. It was just so intense. But in the end, I did opt for obedience and I kept after it, even though, man, I got taken for a ride. I just kept, as Proverbs says, a righteous man falls down seven times, but it gets up seven times, you know, so praise the Lord. He helps us to get up if we... Um, if we'll let him help us get up. So if that's a word for you, praise the Lord, get up, you can do it, get up, he'll help you. But I opted to just push through and do it. And even now I've got like this resistance coming at me in a variety of different ways. Some, I guess I expected others. I did not. There is so much resistance about this one topic. I almost, um, it almost feels like I'm being pushed down to stop talking about it. Don't talk about this. Don't mention it. Just let it lie. Leave it alone. You know, I'm being intimidated in the spiritual realm, so to speak, if that makes sense. Um, So I'm literally forcing myself right now to be brave and strong and courageous. Look up Joshua chapter one to find out where I'm getting that reference to to be strong and be very courageous, Uh, making a choice to be brave, even though it's hard. And I'm making myself talk about it. So what, what is this about anyway? What is the session about that I got so much spiritual resistance? You probably want me to just say it. So I'm going to say it. The session is about an orphan spirit. It's called Redeeming an Orphan Spirit. And I'm not talking about um, us as orphans, as Christians, because we're not. And that's the whole point of the conference session. I'm talking about the opposite. We're not orphans, but sometimes, or even a lot of the time, we live as though we are orphans. We don't live like God is our father, our Abba father. We live like we're orphaned. And our enemy, he just works so hard. He works overtime to make us feel like orphans. And then that gets us thinking like orphans. And then that totally makes us live our daily lives like orphans. It impacts our relationships and even how we sleep at night, our sleep habits, how much time we spend on social media, where we spend our money where we spend our money and our time, how we invest the majority, the bulk of our lives, all has to do with Satan making us feel like we've been orphaned. Our deepest and innermost thoughts about ourselves and about others. We have mistrust and distrust and fear, anxiety and depression and loneliness, whether it's real or perceived. Those are two different things, but they're both important to note. There's real um, real loneliness and perceived loneliness, just like there's real rejection and perceived rejection our stress level, all of it. I could go on and on, but this um, enemy lie that tries to get us to live like we're orphaned, it impacts every single part of our lives. So yeah, this was a big topic for me to navigate. And uh, I did it because the Lord called me to do it. He does not want us living like orphans. He wants us to live like his dearly loved children because that is who we truly are. And there's this like massive carnage that gets left in our wake when we live like orphans. It's not God's will for us. So the session, I don't just talk about it. I really do offer a path to healing and it's real and lasting and biblical healing because that's the only kind of healing that God is interested in, right? He's not into partial healing. He's not into leaving you um, emotionally broken in some way. He's into healing that's real and lasting and just turns your world upside down for the good. So I'm going to include the link in the show notes so you can grab a ticket, buy a ticket for somebody or share this with them if you know somebody who might benefit from this. If you you want, uh, I would encourage you to do that. The price is $25 for the ticket. The conference is completely online and you have access to not just my sessions, but 80 sessions by 50 speakers. Some of them are 
pretty well-known experts in their field. So it's worth the 25 bucks. And I just want to say too, it's a mom's conference. But if you're a dude, if you're a guy and you're thinking you don't need a lot of the, you know, the mom type things in the conference, but you're curious about the orphan spirit session, there are enough sessions in there that you will get your 25 bucks worth, even if you're a guy. And if you really think about it, how many coffees does it take in a week? How many lunches out does it take in a week to spend 25 bucks? Guys, if you could live not as an orphan, would it be worth trading one lunch and two coffees in a week? I think it would be. So there's, I'm just, I'm just putting in perspective and telling you, Satan will try to tell you, you don't need this. But if the Lord wants you to have it, please don't not have it. Okay. The very last thing that I want to share is, um, Real quick, I want to share. Oh gosh, I almost forgot. The tickets are on sale only through January 10th. That's this Friday. So the link will only be good for a few days. Um, but I also want to share that if there is an interest in this topic in the future, I will be talking more about the orphan spirit. If anybody wants to leave a comment or email me at janlbert at outlook.com, um, this is important. And I haven't faced this kind of spiritual resistance and enemy attack for no reason. So if Satan doesn't want us to talk about it, then um, let's talk about it anyway and kind of throw it back in his face. So, all right. Thanks for helping me to be brave and talk about a thing that has been very difficult to talk about, not because of my experience. The Lord has done so much in my life in this area, but because of the attack I have been under that is unlike anything I've ever dealt with before. And if you think of it, I would love for you to pray over the Friday release of that conference session for the right men and women to hear it and to be blessed by it and for real freedom, lasting freedom to come into their lives just because God loves them so much and God's so good. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I'm just the most blessed lady in the world to get to do what I do. So thanks so much. I'll see you guys next time. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.